This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Hinniger, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I am going to begin an ongoing series on risk. This series will be similar to the Investing First Principles series, where I spend each episode focused on a specific type of investment risk. We'll deep dive into detail, and first up is price risk more popularly known in the investment world as volatility or beta. Before I get started, I want to make a short request. If you haven't already, please consider giving this podcast a rating and review. Simply hit pause and rate this podcast in your podcast player. I would really appreciate it. Your ratings and reviews help me to grow the podcast audience and help more people. Thank you for your support. So let's dive in. What is risk. We're going to discuss the definition of risk. We're going to discuss price risk, volatility, and beta. And this is the first in my types of investing risk series. So what is risk? Well, let's first begin the discussion by going to the dictionary. What does the dictionary say about risk? And Merriam-Webster's online dictionary has a few different definitions for us. First, risk is the possibility of loss or injury. Well, that fits. That's pretty good. Uh, the second thing it says is that risk is someone or something that creates or suggests a hazard. So now we've connected risk with loss, injury, hazard. The third is the chance of loss or the probability of loss. And I think this one's particularly good because it's talking about how Risk involves uncertainty, risk involves loss, but it's really focused on chance, probability. It's not a guarantee, but it's trying to illustrate that uncertain nature of risk. And the fourth, although it's the most connected here to what we're talking about, says that risk is the chance that an investment, such as a stock or commodity, will lose value. So this makes sense. It's a very straightforward definition of risk that when we're thinking in terms of investing, we can relate to. But it's also a little too specific for what I'm looking at right now. Although this is definitely a risk, if your investment loses value, that is a risk. It is a specific type of risk, and it's one that I'm going to cover later in this series, which is called loss of principal risk. But for this episode, we're focused on price risk, volatility, and beta. 
And the way we need to think about that is really to understand what risk is. And that's what those first three definitions for. So risk is the possibility of loss or injury. Risk is something that creates or suggests a hazard. And risk is the chance of loss or the probability of loss. And so when we think about that, what really comes to mind is we're talking about loss, we're talking about harms, we're talking about hazards as one side. So it's really connecting that risk is related in some way to a negative event. And that's really what I want you to get out of that. So risk is one, a negative event, and two, it's related to possibilities, uncertainties, chance. So the definition of risk is very clear. It's really two parts. Risk is the chance of loss, so it's directly related to the negative event, and it's because it's chance is a probability. It's an uncertainty. There's chance involved. And so those two pieces are uncertainty and negative events. So there's an uncertainty of a negative event, and that's my definition of risk. And I'm intentionally being very vague and very broad because I'm trying to brush at a broad scope. When people talk about investment risk, they tend to talk solely about volatility. And that's why I'm beginning the series with volatility because they're talking, they use the words volatility, beta, interchangeably with the word risk or investing risk. And I think that is fatally flawed. Um, I think it's episode number two. Let me check the. No, it's episode number one where I discuss myth busting stocks are riskier than bonds. And I talk about this risk and I first introduce it there talking about volatility. But I'm coming back to it here because I want to comp- I'm setting up an outline of total sets of how we're going to look at all the different types of risks. But the problem that most people use when they're discussing investing risk is they say that volatility is investing risk. It is it's interchangeably with the term risk, and that's just wrong. And it's wrong because of what I'm trying to talk about, that we need to talk about two things, uncertainty and negative events. And what you'll find is that volatility does not clearly match, the definition of volatility does not clearly match this structure of what risk is. And so I think each type of risk deserves its own discussion, and it would be a mistake to believe that you can simply define risk and all risks of investment into a single term um, that encompasses everything. So I'm going to break them down individually because you're going to have to choose which, which risks you're willing to take, and you're going to have to choose which risks you are going to avoid. It is impossible to make an investment without taking some risk. If you like the possibility of return, you have to choose to take some sort of risk in order to achieve that. And what I hope is that this series will help you to decide which risks you're willing to take and which risks you are not. And that leads me directly into volatility and beta. So if you take the definition of Investopedia, their definition for volatility is the size of uncertainty or risk related to the size of changes in a security's value. Well, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And if we really dive a little bit deeper into this, I'm probably, I need to explain really what that means. So they do mention uncertainty, which is key. That's one of the key parts of what I believe is risk, is this uncertainty that's out there. You don't know what is going to happen. 
And so volatility captures that. You don't know what's going to happen. But what it's talking about is you don't know about what the size of the change in a security's value is. So what does that mean? That Let's talk, instead of using the word security, because a security can be many things. Security can be a stock. It can be a bond. It could be a real estate investment trust. Any of these things can be securities. But I specifically want to talk about one security to make it clear. And we're going to talk about stocks. So if we restate this, it would be the size of uncertainty related to the size of changes in a stock's value. Well, that's difficult because they're clearly meshing two things together because when they try and measure volatility, they're saying it's the change in a stock's price that allows you to measure the stock's volatility. But the definition is based upon a stock's value. But value and price are not the same thing. And this is one of the risks. This is one of the problems of trying to use modern mainstream definitions for investment terms is that these terms are loaded. They are loaded in a way that are trying to convince you to make certain decisions that do not actually meet what's going on in the investment world. That's why I start with first principles. That's why I'm trying to focus on what is really going on. Because if you follow the mainstream investment advice, you're liable to make mistakes. Not saying you're liable to have negative outcomes, but you might have suboptimal outcomes if you don't fully understand what you're doing. And here is one instance of this. This definition, the definition of volatility, as part of modern portfolio theory, as part of the efficient market hypothesis, is all based around this idea that a stock or a bond is riskier the more volatile its change in stock price. So the price change matters. The problem is, and this is the key problem, it's based solely on the size of the fluctuation. It's not based upon the direction of the fluctuation. And this is a failure of the mental model speed versus velocity. Direction matters. What they say is that the more volatile the stock, the riskier the stock. But what it fails to account for is only negative volatility. Instead, You can have a stock that's said to have high volatility and is said to be incredibly risky simply by moving up quickly. If your stock price doubles over the course of six months, it's going to have a high calculated volatility according to mainstream calculations. But that's not risky though. The fact that your investment doubled in price means that you earned a high return. So why is it that your high return is meant that your investment was risky? That doesn't add up in terms of what you're actually going for. High returns are what you're seeking. So if you're earning high returns because the stock price is rapidly increasing, that's something that you want in your investments. And so high returns are the exact opposite of risk, but they're equating them to be the same. Now, this is very different from saying that your stock price is falling by 80%. If the stock price has fallen by 80%, this may mean that the value has fallen by 80%, or maybe the value has gone down by 50%, or maybe the value has doubled. You don't know based upon the stock price's value. But what volatility is going to do is it's going to see an 80% decrease 
Now let's use 50% because it might make the, the numbers work out better. I haven't looked too much in detail about how this is actually calculated um, because I don't use volatility in my investing process, but let's use negative 50%. So what the volatility is going to do is it's going to say a 50% decline in price is going to have the same amount of risk as a 100% gain in price. Does that make any sense to you? The idea that a company is just as risky if it's declining in price as it is if it's increasing in price. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter how volatile a stock is. It only matters if the value is going down or the value is going up. The problem becomes when you compare volatility or beta, beta is another term that's used in mainstream investing finance, to describe volatility, if you use those terms of volatility or beta, and you say that that is what risk is, it's not going to be clear what you're actually getting out of it. Because it's not telling you of only negative events. It's including positive events in the definition. And that's the core problem with the definition of volatility and beta. When I was Defining risk not long ago, I said that it had two key aspects. Number one, uncertainty, and number two, negative events. If you say that uncertainty alone is the risk, that's a problem because it doesn't matter if there's uncertainty, but the only outcome is a positive event. What matters is if you have uncertainty and negative events. So you need to associate that likelihood of a negative event and not focus on the likelihood of a positive event when you're talking about risk. If I say there's an 80% chance of your company doubling in value over the next year, and there's a 20% chance of it dropping in value by 50%, the risk is 20%. The risk is not 80% or some combination of the two. And that is a very important thing for you to understand, and it's why you need to ignore defined measures like beta or volatility in your investing process, because you have to know that the basic process of garbage in, garbage out, if you're making bad assumptions in your definition, you're going to have bad results when you use that that definition to make decisions. And the other piece with volatility that's a problem is that it's often used as a relative measure. You see, it's what they'll do is they'll compare an individual stock, and let's say Exxon, to the overall S&P 500, and they'll give a volatility measure for Exxon, and they'll give a volatility measure for the S&P 500 index, and then the beta will be basically the ratio of the volatility of Exxon to the volatility of the index. And if it's less volatile than the index, then they're going to say it's less risky, both a volatility of less than one or beta of less than one. And if it's more volatile than the index, it's going to have a beta greater than one, which means it's going to have a higher risk. Again, that doesn't make any sense because it doesn't matter about the size of the price changes alone. It only matters if the value changes are going up or down. And that's why they use the definition to say it's based upon changes in the security's value. But when they actually use this in real life to do the calculation, they're not calculating changes in value. They're calculating changes in price. And you cannot mix up price and value. That's the number one failure of someone in terms of investing is when you equate 
price to equal value. It makes your math look pretty, but it makes your results bad. And the other piece is that individual investors don't need to worry about relative measures because the only thing you should care about is your personal results. Focus on your personal goals and your personal results. If you need 10% returns in order to be successful as an investor, you shouldn't care that if you earn 12% returns this year on your investment, that's great. You've exceeded your goal. But if the S&P had earned 15% returns, you should no less you should be no less happy because it doesn't matter what other people are achieving, it only matters that you are achieving what you need to achieve your goals. So, I've talked volatility to death and I hope Hopefully that's true. I hope that that description has adequately clarified why using volatility in beta is a problem. But now I want to dive into specifically talking about price risk. And this is the risk that I believe is actually important to talk about. And that's the first in our series today is price risk. And what I've done is I have defined price risk to match my definition of broad risks. There's an uncertainty part and there's a negative event part. And we're going to begin with the uncertainty. So the definition of price risk is the potential for short-term downside fluctuations in stock price below the intrinsic value of the company and below your purchase price. So again, there's A key focus here, I'm talking about the potential, which is that uncertainty factor, the potential for short-term downside fluctuations. And this is really key. I'm only focused on downside. Price risk is not the risk of the price of your stock doubling while you own it. That would be great. Now you have the opportunity to sell your stock at a higher price than what you paid for it. That is not risk. So you need to focus only on the downside. And that's what my definition here is doing. It's the potential for short-term downside fluctuations in stock price. And this is the other key piece. I'm highlighting the importance that price fluctuations alone are not important because they are short-term in nature. Now they matter. They are a type of risk. And that's what this price risk is. But it is a short-term risk because... In the long run, the stock market is basically a weighing machine. In the short term, it's a voting machine. This is the mental model established by Benjamin Graham talking about Mr. Market. But it's the idea that in the short term, price fluctuations can go away from intrinsic value. But in the long term, your price will trend towards and revert towards the intrinsic value of the business. Which is why I tied those fluctuations specifically to two things. One, the intrinsic value of the company, and two, your purchase price. So the one that's most important is the price changes relative to the intrinsic value. This is really what matters at the end of the day. If you have the right temperament, you can completely ignore price changes relative to your purchase price. But at the end of the day, what really matters is how those price changes are relative to the intrinsic value of the company. And what we want to know is, what is the risk of the stock price falling significantly below the intrinsic value of the company and how long that will occur? And that's why I'm talking about the potential for short-term downside fluctuations below the intrinsic value of the company. 
And what this is, is here's the risk that no matter how good you do your fundamental analysis and you analyze your investments, no matter how accurate you are in defining what the intrinsic value is, there's still the risk that the stock price after you buy it could stay below that intrinsic value for long periods of time or decline even lower than the price at which you bought it while staying below the intrinsic value. That is a risk and it's a risk that you have to take when you invest in stocks or bonds. And it's really the one that matters here. And so you need to understand this risk exists. It's not something that you can get rid of but it's mainly short-term in nature. There will come a time if you're doing proper analysis that the stock price will tend to revert back closer to intrinsic value over longer periods of time. But the last piece I want to highlight again. So I said the definition is the potential for short-term downside fluctuations in stock price below the intrinsic value of the company and below your purchase price. Now I added the and below your purchase price for one key reason. The price of the stocks that you buy relative to your purchase price is important solely for the psychological harm it can cause if you lack the proper temperament for long-term investing. With the proper temperament, the changes in stock price simply being below your purchase price won't be a negative. In fact, you should see stock price changes that when the stock drops below your purchase price, assuming the intrinsic value hasn't changed, you should see that as an opportunity to acquire more stock, and you should not see it as a negative risk. However, human nature suggests that most people still see this as a negative risk. It's really hard to look at your stock investments to see the tape and to see a lot of red, to see that the price of the assets that you bought is below the price at which you bought them. Now, unless you have perfect marketing timing, you will eventually see every stock you buy below the stock your purchase price at some point. So you should be prepared for this when you make your investments. And you shouldn't be alarmed when this occurs because unless you perfectly time the bottom, you'll see it at some point that the stock price will be below your purchase price. With that said, it does matter and it is part of the price risk because psychological harms and the tendency to cause doubt in your investment thesis and the tendency to question whether you're doing the right thing, to question whether you made a good decision is a real impactful part of the investing process. I don't want to disregard that because clearly by buying stocks and seeing the va- the price of them drop, it can cause you to make bad decisions. You should train yourself to build up the temperament to be different, but I have to question whether that's truly possible. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, who have decades more experience than I do, suggest that they believe that temperament is something that they were born with and not something that they developed over time. If that's true, I don't have any evidence to suggest that it isn't, but I also don't have any evidence to suggest that they are accurate in that statement. But if it's true, then it means that your temperament can have a major effect. And even those without the temperament need some way to increase their performance. 
And the best they can do is to focus on training their temperament to be successful and to understand that their stock prices will eventually be shown as a red or negative at some point in their purchase cycle. So I'm leaving it in as a psychological harm, even if the only thing that really matters in the long term is when your stock price is below the intrinsic value of the company. So I think I have captured clearly what I believe price risk is. I want to reiterate in summary that price risk is going to happen in any investment that you make. And the but you can manage it and you can manage price risk by making sure to buy companies only when you pay for the stock less than the intrinsic value of the company. Price risk becomes a major concern if you pay for an overvalued stock because that means that there's a clear and present risk that the stock price should go down until it at least matches the intrinsic value of the company. However, if you're only buying undervalued stocks, while price risk doesn't go away, it is mitigated because the price should eventually rise to match the intrinsic value. And this is the importance in the preaching of what value investing focuses on, that by buying buying undervalued stocks, you're limiting your price risk and you're able to grow your investments more over time in that manner. So I think that covers everything that I wanted to talk about today with price risk. Thank you for listening to this show. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 36. And finally, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you've gained value from today's content, please consider leaving me a rating or review. Your support is what allows me to continue creating this free investment content. And your ratings and review help me to grow the show audience, which helps the show to be more successful and rewarding for me to put on. So please leave me a rating review if you haven't already. I really appreciate it. And I would love a five-star review if you're learning from my content. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Hinegar, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. 
And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.